0: Hello and welcome to The REIT Report. I'm your host, Sarah Borgs from Quito, and today we're going to be looking at the rise of online gaming, or iGaming, and its impact on the gaming REIT sector with my guest, Spencer Alloway. Spencer is an analyst on Green Street's research team and sector head of NetLease, Gaming, and Self-Storage. Spencer, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So, first of all, could you give our listeners an overview of what iGaming actually is and how it's evolved in recent years?
1: Yeah, sure. So, when we're talking about iGaming, we're effectively talking about any form of online gambling. So, i.e., that's done through your mobile device, tablet, computer, uh, versus that, which you would do in person at a traditional brick-and-mortar casino. Uh, it's a segment that largely caters to sports betting, um, and this makes sense given the convenience of having all of the player or team staff in front of you on your personalized device when you're placing the best. Um, in addition, it also seems as though sports wagering is the most easily replicable at home uh, from an experience standpoint. So said differently, um, the consumer gets a similar utility, uh, whether they're betting at a sports and in a casino or if they're just betting from the comfort of their own home. Um, but despite the fact that sports are wildly popular in the U.S., as you know, eye gaming is actually relatively uh, new, and it's, it's a growing segment. Uh, and the reason for this is because in 1992, the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, uh, it's otherwise known as the Bradley Act, uh, this was passed, and it actually prohibited most forms of sports betting. Uh, this legislation actually stayed in place until somewhat recently, When in 2018 the Supreme Court overturned this ruling. Uh, So since 2018 we've actually seen sports betting, a lot of which is done online, uh, really start to grow. So today we actually have 22 states that have legalized some form of sports wagering with another nine that actually have uh, some phase of legislation right now in place uh, to allow it. Beyond this there are another four states that allow full online gaming Um, And this is where you'd find a full offering of simulated table games, slots, et cetera. So we're definitely starting to see an increasing level of acceptance across the U.S. for online gaming, uh, with more and more states uh, illegalizing it. But just to put it into perspective, uh, sports betting and iGaming still very uh, relatively small versus the traditional brick-and-mortar casino segment, uh, as they together only represent uh, still just under 10% of total U.S. gaming revenue. So, still largely in its infancy.
0: And how has the segment grown in 2020 and what impact has the pandemic had so far? Yeah, so 2020 has been a a really
1: interesting year for iGaming from a growth standpoint. So just in the first half of the year, iGaming revenue grew nearly 200%. So of course this is from a small base. Uh, I just mentioned how iGaming is still largely in its infancy, uh, but the growth is still really notable. Um, While a lot of this growth is likely driven by the fact that patrons are seeking an alternative to closed casinos uh, during this pandemic, we also estimate that some growth is attributable to new users, so again, younger cohorts that are attracted to that growing uh, sports segment, and then also from a shift in users that had previously utilized the offshore or illegal sports wagering market.
0: And who are some of the operators behind the iGaming digital platforms? And what sorts of investments are they making?
1: Yeah, so uh, the three primary gaming REIT tenants, so um, just to kind of recap here, so Penn National Gaming, that's the key tenant of the LPI, Caesars Entertainment, the operator for VP properties, and then MGM Resorts, the key tenant for MGM Growth properties. Um, all of these gaming REIT have made sizable investments to establish an online presence. Uh, for instance, Penn National Gaming, uh, this is a, a, an operator that's relied heavily on its partnership with Barstool Sports, uh, which had acquired about a 36% stake in earlier this year. Barstool Sports, uh, you know, many of us are familiar with that, that brand. It's a, it's a large sports media company that caters primarily to a younger demographic um, and it has over 65 million unique monthly users. Um, but through its investment, Penn will be Barstool's exclusive partner for 40 years um, and can use its platform uh, for all its online sports betting and iGaming products. Caesars Entertainment um, and MGM Resorts, however, they've attempted to gain market share uh, a little bit differently. So instead, they've chosen to partner with networks, leagues, and franchises. Uh, so for example, MGM has a partnership with Yahoo Sports, Allowing its users to bet on the NBA, NHL, um, as well as some college sports, and then Caesars um, has partnerships with ESPN and Turner Sports, um, and then actually most recently, uh, Caesars actually completed um, an acquisition of William Hill, and this is a UK-based gaming operator, um, which will run all of uh, Caesars' online gaming operations. So, we've really seen the brick-and-mortar operators get creative when they're looking at expanding their online presence. Uh, with the an array of different investment strategies I just outlined. Uh, but I think it's interesting to note that both Penn, through its acquisition of Barcel Sports, and Caesars, through its acquisition of William Hill, uh, took a little bit of a similar approach in that they each acquired an established online platform rather than trying to build one organically. Uh, time's going to tell uh, how the respective investments will play out, But it does seem reasonable that the more direct investments made by Penn and Caesars um, in acquiring those mature platforms could result uh, in a superior online presence. And then uh, just lastly, you know, outside of the REIT tenants, there are also two notable online players, uh, FanDuel and DraftKings, uh, which again uh, cater to that that online sports betting
0: segment. Um, What do you see some of the potential benefits for gaming REITs from the growth in iGaming?
1: Yeah. So from Green Street's perspective, the impact of the gaming rates will likely come via downside protection. And what I mean by that is improved underlying tenant credit. So one thing we haven't talked about yet, uh, which is really important to the gaming space, is that the three gaming rates each have significant single tenant exposure. So uh, with one operator accounting for about 85% of NOI on average. So Given the single-tenant risk, the most important attribute to relative value in the gaming sector is tenant credit. So back to your question, uh, we think that iGaming, um, you know, the growth in the iGaming segment, sorry, should ultimately improve tenant credit across the sector. And we actually have seen a really interesting example of this this year in 2020. So back in January, Penn National Gaming acquired a sizable stake in varsity sports, as I mentioned previously. Um, and the growing enthusiasm for this platform actually ultimately contributed to a significant stock price performance, uh, for, for Penn. So Penn's market cap actually grew threefold this year. Um, Penn took advantage of this and in September raised about one billion in equity. So within a nine month period, we saw a brick and mortar casino operator invest in an online platform, get rewarded with impressive share performance, and ultimately uh, improve its equity cushion and helping it increase liquidity. So to the extent that operators continue to be able to monetize or capitalize on their online investments, we should see increased liquidity and enhanced ability to delever. Um, also, because we think that iGaming will ultimately prove to be additive to the, grain, uh, to the gaming revenue pie uh, rather than be cannibalistic, The ancillary revenue from the online segment should also help bolster operators' rent coverage uh, ratios. So, again, more downside protection uh, via enhanced rent paying ability. And then, also, I would note that there is some upside potential, uh, which could include larger variable rent resets or potentially higher annual rent bumps uh, to the extent that the operators become increasingly more profitable.
0: And finally, how do overall fundamentals look for the gaming REIT sector, and how does its performance compare with the rest of the REIT industry?
1: So fundamentals in the gaming space, uh, in the gaming space have held up relatively well. Uh, the portfolios are 100% occupied. Uh, rent collection has been nearly 100% throughout the entire pandemic. Only one gaming REIT has had to give some form of rent credits to an operator um, due to liquidity concerns. And this stands in stark contrast to some of the other REIT property types that have seen rent collection uh, dip as low as 50% at some point uh, during this pandemic. Uh, When we look at the performance of the gaming REITs, however, relative to to some other REIT sectors, uh, despite the stability that I just highlighted, gaming actually materially underperformed the REIT average at the onset of the pandemic. Uh, and this is largely due to the fact that there was concerns around how long casinos would be closed and whether or not there was material operator bankruptcy risk, um, given they were in a, a zero revenue environment uh, being forced to be closed. Um, however, once the casinos began to reopen and the operators went back to seeing some level of, of revenue coming back through the doors, uh, concerns around renting ability and the, the potential bankruptcies really subsided. So, Really, since the middle of summer when casinos uh, began reopening across the country, uh, the gaming space has outperformed uh, the RMV roughly 600 basis points, uh, but still lagging the S&P about 300 basis points. Um, lastly, I just want to point out that within Green Street's IRR framework, uh, gaming, uh, the gaming sector offers the most attractive expected returns in both the private and public uh, markets versus the other
0: REIT sectors. Great. Spencer, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you having me. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe or leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you access podcasts.